This is an ABC podcast. We're entering an era in which our enemies can make it look like anyone is saying anything at any point in time, even if they would never say those things. What you can hear is a deep fake video of Barack Obama. It looks like Obama. For instance, they could have me say things like... It sounds like Obama. I don't know. President Trump is a total and complete dick. But it's not Obama. It's actor and comedian Jordan Peele. Moving forward, we need to be more vigilant with what we trust from the internet. Media manipulation. It's called a deep fake video. Deep fakes or realistic looking fake videos not. Well, it's a constant battle when you're trying to figure out what's real and what's fake on the internet. See, I would never say these things. At least not in a public address. Hi, Miyuki Yokiranta here, and this is Earshot. We always knew we couldn't necessarily trust what we read, but we could trust what we saw. That is, until Photoshop made us doubt the authenticity of photos. But then we could always trust the moving image. Now, we can't even do that. Deepfake is this year's buzzword. Its threat to democracy and the idea of truth is frighteningly real in this era of fake news. But the first deepfakes to go viral were porn videos of beautiful, famous women. And despite all the fear about the political ramifications of this technology, most of its victims are still women. Today, Kirsty Melville is taking us into the life of one of them. And a warning, this story has explicit content and language, so keep it away from little ears. My name is Noelle Martin, and I will take you back to when it all began. I was 18 years old, living in Sydney, having moved interstate for university from Western Australia. One night, I decided to Google image reverse search myself, which is a function of Google that lets you upload an image and it shows you where it is on the internet. My stomach sank. The blood in my body rushed to my head. It was like, what the hell? I felt sick. In an instant, my screen was plastered with images of me on dozens of pornographic websites. X, Hamster, X Videos, Sex.com, Tits in Top, Motherless, very fetishized sites with images of me that had been taken from my social media where I had my face photoshopped onto the bodies of naked adult actresses depicted as engaging in sexual intercourse, being ejaculated on, horrific sexual commentary about me. Like from the way I look to what they would do to me. Identifiable information about me. My name, where I live, what I studied. I had absolutely no idea. Like, I cannot tell you how it was like a complete shock to me. And I remember clicking on it and actually reading all of the comments and looking at all the photos, going down a rabbit hole. Cover her face and we'd f*** her body. She's a whale, look at her. Attention seeking. Um, The amount of cum that's been spilt over her could fill a, a pool, like really sexually explicit commentary. 
I have no idea who who has been doing this. I've never had a boyfriend in my life, so I've, it's not someone who's an ex-partner. You know, I don't think I have any enemies. I mean, I don't know who these people are. Just to set the scene here, Noelle is gorgeous. She's voluptuous and she owns it. So when her social media selfies were stolen from her Facebook account, she thought it was just a random one-off. The next morning, Noelle took her laptop to the police and showed them the images. There were no laws at the time that made sharing intimate images, real or fake, illegal. They said there was nothing they could do. I mean, I was told, have you tried putting your social media on private? Have you considered contacting the sites and trying to get that deleted? And so I remember leaving just thinking, I can't believe this is not illegal. How can someone do that to another person and there be nothing for me to do? I called government agencies and I remember crying on the phone to random people just being like, this is what's happening to me, is this something that can be done? And I kept being redirected to the next agency, the next agency. And the only option I had at that time was to contact the sites myself to get everything deleted. And I remember just being like, okay, maybe I could get everything deleted. Maybe I could. So I went through that process for years. I'm Marianne Franks. I'm a professor of law at the University of Miami School of Law. I'm also the president and legislative and tech policy director of a nonprofit organization called the Cyber Civil Rights Initiative, which is dedicated to combating online abuse and harassment. When the Cyber Civil Rights Initiative was founded, it was founded in part because the woman who founded it, Dr. Holly Jacobs, had exactly the experience you're describing with her actual nude photos that were being distributed. She was a PhD student at the time and she would spend all of her days writing her dissertation and all of her nights frantically appealing to all of these sites. She would send letters to everyone she could to say these images are not authorized, please take them down. And she did this for months and until she thought she had gotten all of them down. And two weeks later, they're back up on 300 more websites. And that kind of existence that that consigned her to, that these are people who are trying, of course, like anyone, to have lives, to have careers, to maintain intimate relationships. And they have to spend so much of their time and energy in this essentially futile task. And this is extremely tragic because it isn't just about the impact that it has on them, which is horrifying, but it's the impact it has on all of the rest of us who are deprived of that person's energy or voice or creativity or whatever else they could be doing with their lives than having to commit themselves to this relentless and endless task. So it would just be like this cycle of like trying to forget, trying to study, but still thinking, why the hell am I even trying? Like my dream of being a lawyer was disintegrating before my eyes. This is going to haunt me. I'm never going to get a job. I'm never going to, I don't know how I'm gonna deal with this. This is going to haunt me. Why the hell am I even trying to haunt me? I'm never going to get a job. And I also wasn't telling my family. I'm Annalise Martin and I'm Noelle's mother. We knew there was something affecting her and we just couldn't pinpoint what it was. She was angry, 
and oftentimes was upset, snapping or breaking down. It was her relationship with us and with her sisters. She was sort of withdrawing from and withdrawing from even her closest friends. We had no idea that this was driving it. So for a long period of time, we tried to reach out to her, but Noel is a very private person, so she did not share very much of what she went through. So all in all, Noel managed most of the stuff herself, and I feel really sad that we were not able to help her as much as she deserved, I suppose. In hindsight, maybe we could have, we could have done anyway. I remember thinking, like, I had to bear this burden because I think I had so much shame. You know, my coping mechanism was really bad. Like, I picked up smoking, you know, I drank. <laughs> I had too much casual sex. Then I realised that it was going to be a never-ending battle because I'd discover more sites, it was getting more graphic, it was spreading faster, new content constantly being created every time you'd look and search for yourself. And then things were getting so real, I had to tell my family. So I remember really tossing and turning about what I would say to my dad because I come from a family that is quite Catholic and we are of Indian origin and we're, I think, relatively quite conservative. And it's definitely a conversation that was difficult for me to have. I just said, you know, there's photos of me on pornographic sites and they're doctored. And my dad kind of was like, are you sure it wasn't you? It's definitely not you in the images. I said, it's not me, Dad, it's not me. It was so mortifying. Yeah, hi, my, uh, my name's uh, Leon Martin. I'm uh, Noel's dad. I think uh, initially she mentioned that her images were stolen and doctored and they were being circulated on the, on the net and she was doing what she could to stop this from happening. I, I I didn't know the you know, I didn't I couldn't quite tell because she internalized a lot of it so I I did not know the magnitude of this problem she certainly was I, I'd say distressed and did did you believe her that I believed you know I just thought okay if you have an image on a social media site then you're leaving yourself open for if somebody wants to go and do it well you can't complain about that that is my thinking don't let it affect you. You know, maybe that's a simplistic approach, but uh, I didn't know how how big this whole issue had blown up. And our advice was to her is, you know, just ignore the whole thing and just move on with your life. I thought possibly in a time when she was inebriated, you know, she may have done that. And so I had to ask her that question. She was very offended that I asked her. You know, I thought I should have known her better that she would not have done it. But I was quite, uh, you know, afraid that people in, would not believe her and it would affect, you know, her work, her family situation, her social sort of life. Once I heard the images were doctored, I was able then to stand up to all family and friends and then not only support Noel, but 
was convinced by what Noel's attitudes were that continuing to use Facebook and enjoying her unique style of of attire <laughs> good lord Oh, she's a woman who's pra- who owns her body, Absolutely. and that that is a healthy thing. In, in that regard, I support her for being strong enough to say, "I will dress the way I want to. I will put my images on social media and still connect with the world, and you know, be a, a brave, strong woman of today." If I can just say, at at, at one stage, uh, you know, I told her if she's getting this kind of hateful comments, I said, just get off Facebook. I think the following morning she came and said, why should I get off Facebook? Why is it the perpetrators, why don't they get off Facebook? You know, I thought to myself, well, she's right with that approach. It's like a fundamental right of hers to access what she wants. I mean, why should she alter her entire behavior and lifestyle because you have these kind of creeps who are going to do things like this. The helplessness and the powerlessness of tackling something that was proliferating beyond my control, I... Well, I didn't cope. I was broken. And I was so ashamed and I was so humiliated and embarrassed and worried and paranoid and frightened and scared. What would happen if friends saw or prospective partners would see? And I didn't want to live, probably, it's hard to even say that, but I, 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 I didn't want to live, I think. I mean, it, things really escalated. You know, I, I actually tried hanging myself and my dad had to run outside and he was about to call the ambulance. There were times when she was at the sort of the nadir of her, of her life. She had on many occasions wanted to end everything. And at one stage, she even had the modus operandi. We were really concerned about uh, and I often felt very inadequate to help her despite having a medical sort of background. But we kept her as safe as we could. I had a lot of fear as to who could be responsible Is it someone that I know? Is it someone that is in my university who's seen me? I just didn't know. It then became a bit more personal because then they put my name on the bottom of the images. So they literally put Noel in fancy font. And then they created images of me on like a pornographic DVD cover starring Noel Martin and her 38 Gs or whatever. And it then became clear that I was being preyed upon, cyber-stalked. They knew the places that I attended. Like, there was a, a bar in university that I would go every Wednesday to and they'd post photos from that night 
on the public gallery. And so they would get photos from there. They had edited a photo of me on a couch, appearing naked, and they had a placard next to my fake naked body, and it said, Justice Martin. They took that from a photo of me because I was involved in a lot of model UN at university and I'd have Justice Martin on the placard. And there was a photo of me where I was holding a certificate from the New South Wales and ACT Young Achiever Awards and they had edited the certificate so it would look like I was holding the pornographic DVD cover of me and then they edited the background as a pornographic event. There is someone who has been sitting in front of their laptop getting photos of me, cutting around my face, trying to find a body that is similar to mine, matching it up. Like, there is someone doing that to me, and that is really freaking fucked up. Who is this person and what, who are they? Until now, no one had ever said anything to Noelle about the images, but then, someone told her they'd seen them. Now things are really starting to get scary because people are telling me that they found it. And then this person sent me like all these sites and like there were more sites that I, that I thought were there. And then that changed everything for me. I had to stand up and say it's not me preemptively before it shit hit the fan down the track. I just didn't see any other way to save myself and to save my name and to save my narrative. And I also had had enough. I like, I was so damn tired of fighting this battle. It's time, I'm going to speak out. Imagine discovering your head photoshopped onto an explicit pornographic image being shared around the internet. That's exactly what happened to Noelle Martin, who's faced a horrendous struggle to regain control of her own image. Noelle Martin uploaded her photo to Google out of curiosity. She couldn't believe what she discovered. My parents, at first, I don't believe, wanted me to speak out. No, I was not happy with that. My concern was her and her well-being. And there would be some backlash and... That did, that did happen. It, it did happen. Well, as soon as I started speaking out, I actually got a different kind of abuse. She's a slut. She's a whore. She's fat. She's attention-seeking. the way she dresses. What did she expect? She should just get off social media. Get off Facebook. You know, I was blamed for the conduct of the perpetrators. I just was thinking, like, goodness, don't people get it? Let me begin with a question. Can I get a show of hands who here has ever Googled themselves? I have. This is Noelle speaking at TEDx Perth in November 2017. By now she's 23 and the image-based abuse has been going on for five years. This is me at 17 years old. The first time I saw the images was at the TED conference in Perth five or six years after it all started. And she didn't want us to come to attend that talk, but we said, no, we will all go. 
and at that that was the first time we saw the vivid images and then realized what the poor child had gone through that was devastating for me i had never till that point in time seen anything and i didn't know what the hell was going on but it was it was shocking for me my my view initially was you know you ignore it don't don't let it worry you not realizing the magnitude of this situation so you know i don't know what as a parent what i could have done more i, I well certainly as a lawyer there was nothing i could do there was nothing that the law could do and then when i kept speaking out one of the perpetrators created deep fake videos of me computer generated videos of me having sexual intercourse and performing oral sex as a means to silence and taunt me because i was speaking out a deep fake is a video that uses artificial intelligence to realistically depict people doing or saying things they didn't do or say quite shocked and and concerned that it has gone to another level and it's it's really upsetting that it is our own daughter who we've brought up with so much of care to see her exposed like that is just so shocking and um, yeah wow most of you would have seen a deep fake by now like the one of Barack Obama you heard at the start of the story or the one of Mark Zuckerberg floating around on Facebook a few months ago but the first deep fakes to go viral were celebrity porn with the faces of famous women Daisy Ridley and Gal Gadot morphed onto the bodies of porn stars president of the cyber civil rights initiative and law professor Dr Marianne Franks how skilled do you have to be to make one not at all anymore and that's really the troubling thing is that not only are there websites that actually take requests um you can essentially say I have a picture of someone I have an ex-girlfriend that I would like to have a deep fake of can you make one for me that's becoming quite a cottage industry in itself but even for any person who wants to do it him or herself it is completely accessible basically to anyone who knows how to use a computer it's these services that are saying we can take anyone in your life and make her naked so kind of an age old phenomenon which is the sexual objectification of women without their consent and it's the part of this that unfortunately the greater public awareness doesn't seem outraged enough about it's frightening because the focus of much cyber safety education for young women is you know be careful of what intimate images mm. you might take of yourself or of what you might share when that was the debate you would have some level of control but the control has now been taken away from the individual it has and there's i think a couple of lessons to learn from that something that troubled those of us who worked in the space for years was that so often the advice was well if you don't want to become a victim of revenge porn then make sure you don't share these kinds of photos then the the goalpost moved to saying well not only should you not share these photos you should never have these photos women have turned in their phones to get fixed there are people at some of these stores who are now taking images off of people's phones and distributing them and so the goalpost will always move to there's more and more that women should do to protect themselves but it's a game you can't win because so long as there are men and it is almost always men who are insisting upon the right to see women naked without their consent they will find a way and that if we don't focus our energies on that really obscene impulse we're going to always be in the situation and it and it really parallels the sexual assault conversation right if we tell women don't wear this kind of clothing don't go to these kinds of parties when those are not the ways that you can protect someone and telling women that they can be protected that way 
is first of all, giving them a false sense of security. And it also suggests that women's lives should become narrower and narrower because they have to worry about the worst possible excesses of the people around them. You are lying to women and girls if you tell them that they can protect themselves by not having these kinds of photos out there because it doesn't matter anymore. Unlike the way that people dismiss revenge porn, it could literally happen to anyone. So at the end of the day, I wanted justice and I believed that there should be criminal penalties for people who do this to others. And so I fought and I advocated for the criminalisation of this abuse. Noelle became the face of the campaign to criminalise the sharing of intimate images in New South Wales and then in her home state of Western Australia. Now, distributing intimate images or video without consent is a criminal offence in most states. And Noelle was named the 2019 WA Young Australian of the Year for her advocacy work. Of course, it's easier to prosecute if you know who the perpetrator is. It's devilishly hard if you don't. And seven years on, Noelle still has no idea who's doing this to her. It's also easier to have explicit material removed if it appears on a major social media site. But if, like Noelle, your image appears on hundreds of obscure porn sites hosted overseas, well, you can pretty much forget about it. Has there been anyone in any police force, in any government department, who has said to you, right, I'm going to take this on and we're going to take this on and see what we can, we can get fixed for you? No, there has not been. I wonder if the only real viable option is to speak out to reclaim your public name. Do you avoid Googling yourself now? Um, <laughs> I, I do check every so often. A lot of the responses now are of my advocacy, but... Almost three million results. Oh, really? I didn't, far out, I didn't realise that. I mean, she's taken the flag for standing up and saying things. She is the kind of person who will fight for justice. And she did it as a child and she will do it right through her adult years. That's her personality and she will do it. Because I think she's built that way. So, And I'm proud of her for doing that. You pay a price also for doing that. I don't know if there's justice yet. And that's why I make it a, a big point in my advocacy not to be private and not to bow down to what other people might think would be a good step for me. Be more private or don't be public, don't post this, don't wear this. In principle, I should not have to change at all. Like, do not tell me to change the way I dress, what I wear, what I post. Like, I want to live in the world where all people have the freedom to fully participate in the cultural life of our society. And like, we have to take up space in this world. So I refuse to do that. If I did, I'd, I'd have let them win. May sound basic, but how we move forward in the age of information is gonna be the difference between whether we survive 
or whether we become some kind of up dystopia. Thank you. Stay woke, bitches. My Fake Naked Body was produced by Kirsty Melville. The sound engineer was David LeMay. And if you've had intimate images of yourself shared online, real or doctored, you can contact the eSafety Commissioner. We'll put the contact details on the Earshot website. I'm Miyuki Okiranta, and thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.